Hello and welcome to the Minimum Competence episode for Thursday, November 2nd, 2023. I'm your host for today, Andrew Leahy, a tax and technology attorney from New Jersey. In today's episode, we have DJ TJ claiming a minor role in dad's company. Judges defeat misconduct claims and racist accusation. Duncan settles vape and donuts case and Tesla wins its first autopilot suit. Let's run really fast at Thursday and see if we can hurdle it and land on Friday and in midair read today's legal news. On this day in legal history, November 2nd, 1795, President James Knox Polk was born. But he wasn't born president. He was elected later in life. James Knox Polk, the 11th president of the United States from 1845 to 1849, was a significant figure in American history known for his expansionist policies and borderline despotic leadership during a period of territorial growth. Before becoming president, Polk served as the Speaker of the House of Representatives and Governor of Tennessee. His presidency was marked by a strong stance on Manifest Destiny, which posited that the United States was destined to expand across the North American continent. One of the most consequential actions during Polk's presidency was the initiation and prosecution of the Mexican-American War, which ran from 1846 to 1848. This conflict arose from the annexation of Texas and disputes over the western boundary of the United States. Polk believed that acquiring the territories of California and New Mexico from Mexico was crucial for the nation's growth. The war began in 1846 after Mexican troops attacked American forces near the Rio Grande, a region both countries claimed. Polk swiftly sought a declaration of war from Congress, stating that Mexico had, quote, shed American blood on American soil. The war was controversial and had both staunch supporters and vehement opponents. One notable opponent was Congressman Abraham Lincoln, who was a member of the Whig Party and represented Illinois. In 1847, Lincoln introduced a resolution in Congress known as the Spot Resolutions, which challenged President Polk to provide the exact spot where American blood was spilled, as Polk had claimed in justifying the war. Lincoln's intent was to press Polk on the justification for the war, questioning the integrity of the claim that the conflict was initiated by Mexico on U.S. soil. The war ended in 1848 with the signing of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, which significantly expanded U.S. territory. Under the treaty, Mexico ceded vast territories to the United States, including present-day California, Nevada, Utah, Arizona, and parts of Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, and Oklahoma in exchange for $15 million. Polk's presidency, while relatively short, had a lasting impact on the nation's territorial boundaries and set the stage for future U.S. expansion. However, the manner in which he pursued territorial acquisition, especially the war with Mexico, left a legacy of controversy that resonated in American politics for many years, particularly as it related to the broader issue of slavery's expansion into new territories. And of course, generally speaking, folks that had serious disagreements with Abraham Lincoln have not borne up well under the weight of their positions in the fullness of history. Donald Trump Jr., also known as DJTJ, in a trial concerning fraudulent financial documents at the Trump Organization, testified having minimal involvement in preparing these documents. During his one-and-a-half-hour testimony, he mentioned providing cash flow figures to accountants while overseeing the company with his brother Eric during their father's presidency from 2017 to 2021. However, he denied direct involvement in preparing the statements of financial conditions of properties, which prosecutors claim were fraudulently inflated to secure favorable terms from lenders and insurers. Don Jr., along with his father and brother Eric, are co-defendants in this case. The trial, presided over by Judge Arthur N. Gorin, has already seen a ruling that Trump and his company fraudulently inflated asset values, with the lawsuit seeking at least $250 million in fines and bans against Trump and his sons from running businesses in New York. This case is a part of a legal hurdle faced by Trump amidst his campaign for the 2024 presidential election. Trump has refuted the allegations, accusing Attorney General Letitia James and Judge Gorin of political bias despite facing a limited gag order. 
The trial continues with expected testimonies from Eric and Ivanka Trump and a scheduled testimony from Donald Trump on the following Monday. This case adds to the legal pressure on Trump, who also faces four separate criminal prosecutions related to attempts to overturn his 2020 election defeat. Amidst the ongoing legal battles, Trump had a court appearance with his former attorney, Michael Cohen, who testified against Trump regarding the inflation of asset values. I did everything right and they indicted me. A federal judicial panel has decided not to revisit its prior decision of clearing two Republican-appointed judges, Chief U.S. Circuit Judge William Pryor and U.S. District Judge Corey Mays, of misconduct regarding the hiring of a law clerk, Crystal Clanton, who was reported to have engaged in racist behavior during her time at a conservative nonprofit. Despite a directive from the National Judicial Misconduct Panel in July of 2022 to conduct a new investigation, the second U.S. Circuit Judicial Council upheld its January 2022 decision on the matter. The national panel had criticized the Second Circuit for not establishing a special committee to investigate the allegations before clearing the judges. The request for a new investigation was propelled by Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives Judiciary Committee, arguing for a need to assure the public of a lack of racial bias in the judges' chambers. However, the Second Circuit, in a two-page order, supported the arguments of Pryor and Mays that the National Committee overstepped its authority as the Second Circuit's dismissal order was deemed final under the relevant statute. They argued that a 2008 rule enabling the National Conduct Committee to order the Circuit Council to act conflicted with the Judicial Conduct and Disability Act of 1980. The case came into light due to Clanton's alleged racist conduct while serving as the National Field Director of the conservative student group Turning Point USA, which was highlighted in a 2017 New Yorker story. Following her resignation from Turning Point, Clanton was hired by Ginny Thomas, spouse of U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, and later pursued a law degree at George Mason University's Antonin Scalia Law School. Upon graduation, she was set to clerk for Mays before starting a clerkship under Pryor in 2023, sparking controversy and complaints from House Democrats in 2021. Duncan, the donut chain, has settled a trademark lawsuit against an e-cigarette maker, Singh Handicraft Corp., who allegedly misused Duncan's branding for its Vapen Donuts products. The settlement was reported in a filing in New York federal court where Duncan and Singh Handicraft Corp. informed the court of their resolution in principle, with Singh agreeing to a permanent injunction to stop the infringement. The lawsuit, filed in September, claimed that Singh's disposable vaporizers used for flavored nicotine bore a strong resemblance to Duncan's branding. The Vape and Donuts vaporizers were particularly shaped like iced coffee cups and glazed donuts, featuring logos with a similar color scheme and font as Duncan. The lawsuit also pointed out that Singh offered the vaporizers in flavors identical to Duncan's drinks, like white mocha and iced cappuccino, which Duncan argued could mislead consumers into associating the products with their brand. Some buyers even mentioned purchasing the vaporizers due to their affection for Duncan. While the details of the settlement weren't immediately available, this case highlights a scenario of alleged trademark infringement between industries. This last story includes a reference to a death in an automobile crash. If that isn't something you can hear today, we get it, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. Tesla secured a major legal victory in the first U.S. trial over allegations that its autopilot feature led to a fatal crash. This marks Tesla's second significant win this year in court where juries found no defect in its software. The recent case was held in Riverside County Superior Court concerning a 2019 crash where a Model 3, allegedly on autopilot, veered off a highway, hit a palm tree, and caught fire, resulting in the death of the owner, Michael Lee, and serious injuries to his passengers. The plaintiff sought $400 million plus punitive damages. Tesla refuted the liability, attributing the crash to the driver's alcohol consumption before the incident and arguing the ambiguity surrounding whether autopilot was engaged during the crash. The jury, after four days of deliberation, reached a 9-3 verdict, ruling that there was no manufacturing defect in the vehicle. Tesla reiterated that its vehicles are well-designed and contribute to road safety, while the plaintiff's attorney acknowledged the verdict but noted that Tesla was heavily scrutinized during the trial. 
Legal commentators highlighted that the verdicts in this and earlier cases underscore a judicial focus on human responsibility despite the vehicle's autopilot features. However, Tesla's autopilot and full self-driving systems continue to face regulatory, legal scrutiny, and ongoing federal investigations. Despite these challenges, this win in a high-stake trial portrays a favorable judicial stance towards Tesla, at least in terms of manufacturing quality, which may influence the outcomes of future lawsuits involving autonomous driving tech. And with that, I thank you so much for listening to Minimum Competence, your daily news podcast for lawyers. If you're looking for more than Minimum Competence, links to further reading on all the topics touched on today are in the show notes. If you have any questions or story suggestions, you can find us on Mastodon on the esq.social instance. I'm at Andrew and my co-host Gina is at Gina. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and do not represent those of any organization we may be affiliated with. Nothing here should be construed as legal advice because it is not legal advice. And reviews go a long way towards helping new listeners to find our show. If you have a moment, leave a rating or review on your podcast player. We'd sure appreciate it. And if you know someone that might be interested in a story we cover, consider sending them the episode. Minimum Competence is available at minimumcomp.com and wherever you get your finely crafted podcasts. If you haven't checked out the website in a while, give it a look. There are complete transcripts and resources for each episode and its corresponding segments, as well as an opportunity to receive new episodes in email newsletter form. All of the links to stories we cover will also be available on links.esq.social, which is our link aggregator in the Fediverse. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And until then, remember, Halloween candy eaten before November 5th doesn't count for health purposes. I'm not a doctor and this isn't medical advice. Talk to your doctor before attempting to eat vast quantities of candy.